Should you wait till things calm down before you buy? Hearing that a lot these days. How do you time the market to buy your home if you think a bubble's coming? Yeah, I know. We just did a whole episode on the bubble. But now we'll see what happens if you wait to buy. What's happening? What's good, everybody? This is David Sedoni and the How to Buy a Home podcast, the podcast to educate and inform first-time home buyers because Google, well, it just ain't enough. This is the podcast, and yes, podcasts last forever. So if you're listening in the future, cool, you're getting some more research. But if you're a loyal subscriber, you must be thinking, dude, we just did like a whole hour on the housing bubble. What else could you possibly need to tell us? Okay, here's what we're going to cover because there's more bubble stuff. And then we're going to talk about should you wait to buy. First, we're going to give you some more bubble opinions from economists to debate the arguments that your pessimistic friends and family are making about the bubble if you didn't get enough last time. We're going to give you some good news on new construction, some more information about the bidding wars happening on the homes and how that affects today's market. And then we're going to talk about the cost of waiting this market out. And finally, we'll talk about rising rent prices and what's next for you and your housing sitch. So if you're scared, confused, or you don't have a clue where to start, I know it ain't sexy, but this is the data, baby. Knowledge is power. There's a lot of data or data, whatever you want. Here's the good thing. I'm not trying to push you, not trying to sell you. I'm not trying to get you to take my seminar or buy a book. This is a labor of love for me. It's really just seeking to educate first-time buyers to make sound, researched, and informed decisions. I really want you guys to learn from my mistake because I totally blew it in my 20s and I rented for way too long and even into my 30s. So this is my podcast and it's my way of giving back. So take a little bit of time, do the research, and this decision, it's a big one. It's going to affect how you spend your housing, your rent or mortgage money, because you pay it every month anyway. So you're going to be thinking about how to do that for the next two to five years. And I get it. I'm not as entertaining as a TikTok video, but how about that today you just substitute some of your scroll time and you just listen up here and get some facts and figures that I've gathered so you can figure out the best way for you to spend your money. What is that? 15, 20, 30, $40,000 a year on rent. The question of whether the real estate market is a bubble, it's a really hot topic in the summer of 2021 and everybody has an opinion. So here's four more opinions, except these are coming from professionals and organizations that have devoted their entire career to giving great advice. And that's for people specifically asking about the housing industry. First one comes from the Joint Center for Housing Studies. It's right there in the name. And this is in their State of the Nation Housing 2021 report. Quote, conditions today are quite different than in the early 2000s, particularly in the terms of credit availability. The current climate house prices instead reflect strong demand amid tight supply, helped along by record low interest rates, unquote. Next up is Nathaniel Karp, he's the chief U.S. economist at BBVA. BBVA is just a big old international bank. Nathaniel says, quote, the housing market is in line with fundamentals as interest rates are attractive and incomes are high due to the fiscal stimulus, making debt servicing relatively affordable and allowing buyers to qualify for larger mortgages. 
underwriting standards are still strong, so as there is little risk of a bubble developing, unquote. Now, underwriting, that's the bank word. That's the word for taking a microscope and putting it all over your finances. And then they figure out if they decide if they want to give you a loan. He said the standards are still strong. That means they're still checking way, way into you and your finances, not giving the loans to any Yahoo. Those of you who listened to the last episode, yeah, I'm still old and I still say Yahoo. So this is huge data deflating the idea of bubble popping. Since the last bubbles helium, that was a ton of Yahoo buyers that should not have qualified for loans, getting loans and then buying houses, and then, shocker, not being able to afford to keep them. That's how a bubble gets too big and that's how it bursts. Next expert, Bill McBride of Calculated Risk, right in the name again, the guy studies calculated risk, quote, it's not clear at all to me that things are going to slow down significantly in the near future. 2005, I had a strong sense the hot market would turn and that when it did, things would get very ugly. Today, I don't have that sense at all because all the fundamentals are there. Demand will be high for a while because millennials need houses. Prices will keep rising for a while because inventory is so low, unquote. And now we got Mark Fleming, the chief economist at First American. He says, quote, looking back at the bubble years, house prices exceeded house buying power in 2006. But today, house buying power is nearly twice as high as the median sale price nationally. Many find it hard to believe, but housing is actually undervalued in most markets. And the gap between house buying power and the sales prices indicates there's room for further house price growth in the next months to come, unquote. Okay, so in bubble episode number one, I told you about the low inventory, the number of homes for sale. Back in 2008, right before the crash, it was four times higher than the numbers of homes for sale that we have today. Way too many homes for sale to handle any kind of recession. And we got one. It was a big one. Well, today, not only do we have four times less homes for sale than before the last crash, but the number of homes that we're at today, it's actually only about one third the number of homes for sale in a normal market. So that means two things. Number one, more homes for sale coming on the market is only going to normalize the market, not burst the market. And number two, we need more homes for sale. All right, here's the data on homes being built. Despite all the buzz that you hear about the soaring cost of lumber and materials, it's true, it's making things more expensive, but the home building industry has not folded up shop. Government numbers show a steady increase in construction and their construction spending over the last quarter and a half. This is from the U.S. Commerce Department. It says that private spending on single-family home construction is up 26.7% from last year, while private multifamily construction spending is up 14.6%. That means we're going to get some more homes out there. You know, a lot of economic nerds look at these numbers and say that builders are responding to the increased demand for housing and that both single-family residences as well as denser apartments and condo residences are going to be popping up. And that's good because we keep making more people and they want a place to live. Okay, next, let's get into the bidding wars. Now, there's an old protest song about war, and it goes like this. War. Dun, 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 dun. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Say it again. War. And if you're cringing, remember. The fact that I'm old enough to know that song 
means that I have experience in the market history because I am super old. So I tend to see things from a broader perspective. And I don't want you guys throwing your money away like I did in my 20s. I lost hundreds of thousands, so you don't have to. But you do occasionally have to listen to me sing songs. Very, very old songs. I love the 80s too, and I love Rick Springfield. So you're in trouble because that medley is coming someday. Okay, so where was I? Whoa! <laughs> okay, in this case, bidding wars are usually good for sellers. But some buyers are actually starting to get sick of them. And that could be good for you. If you believe in the numbers and you have the strength to get back in there and fight the good fight and stick to it. Some home buyers are reportedly backing out of their purchase contracts due to second guessing their contract price. They're listening to their negative aunt telling them they overpaid instead of looking at the data and doing the math. Great. Let them bail. You see, some people see this headline and they say, oh, buyers are getting smart. They're not overpaying. They're bailing on their contracts. Yeah, it's true. The data says, am I going to pick a way to say that data or data? No, no, I'm not. It says that, yeah, some buyers are doing that, but many of them are acting out of fear and a lack of confidence because they didn't do enough research in the first place. So for you, decide you want to do this. Ted Lasso style, believe. I don't care if you disagree with everything that I say and you don't believe. Bitchin', cool. Then you just keep listening to the podcast and if you're right and the housing market crashes like a giant Jenga game at an outdoor bar with a bunch of drunk hipsters drinking craft beer, cool. Then I'm gonna do a podcast on how to take advantage of the unprecedented bubble bursting that no reputable economic forecaster saw coming. Great. I'll be the first in line to do that podcast so I can help people buy a house in that market. But for now, in this market, that fear, unfounded, is driving others to bail. And it's often, most of the time, because that unfounded fear, they don't have enough information to combat it. They're just not confident in what they know or don't know. Fear is the concern and worry, and worry of the unknown. I mean, just think about a horror movie. Would a horror movie be scary if you knew all the facts? If all the lights were on in the house and there was happy music playing instead of some freaky demonic soundtrack and the dude with the chainsaw was right there in plain sight? Maybe that's a bad example because dude with the chainsaw, still scary. Okay, what if all the lights were on, there was happy music and the figure behind the curtain was actually a little girl holding kittens or it was your barista with your favorite drink? See, that's knowledge. Lights on, looking at it for what it really is. It eliminates trepidation because you can see everything nice and clear. Not the fear of what could be when you're sitting in the dark. So let the others listen to the negative Nancys, the crazy Karens, and the pessimistic Pete's in their lives. Here's a fact. Even if the value of the home stopped going up the minute that a buyer today got the keys, which it's probably not going to since they had to fight to get the home in a bidding war and the losers of that bidding war still want a home while the interest rates are still low. So they're going to go and put an offer on the next house, which is going to charge $5,000 more than the last one did. But let's say even for some weird reason, it did stop. The value just quit right there. The math is still usually better for a renter to be in a home instead of paying a landlord because that home is theirs and becomes their asset even if you're in a break-even or a flat year. Okay, so that home we are talking about, it comes back on the market because the other buyer bailed. Now you step in after they bail because you didn't listen to the haters around you. Or 
Even better, if you have a rockstar unicorn realtor and you actually put an offer on that home and you lost out, but your unicorn was super nice and professional to the people who rejected you after you didn't get the house, they had nice correspondence and thank yous and all that, maybe then when the seller realizes they have to resell the house, they start to realize, well, I don't want to have another bidding war or even better, the lazy listing agent, that realtor, they don't want to have to deal with that all over again. So they just go ahead and call your unicorn and go, hey, that guy, that guy was nice. And then you get the home instead of the home going back on the market. That happened twice for me in my summer of 14 first time home buyers, 2021, coming soon to a theater near you. So what's the cost to you if you decide to wait it out? All right, you heard all this stuff and you're like, I'm just going to wait it out. I don't want to deal with all this. Well, there's no stock answer for this because I don't know you and all your finances. Every single one of you is different with a different financial situation, but most importantly, different goals. Maybe waiting might be right for your life goals. I don't know. But financially, there are some pretty simple things that you can look at doesn't necessarily line up exactly with all your housing wants and needs and dreams, but looking at the numbers, episode 40 of the podcast goes pretty deep into that. And you can listen to that or you can read it at davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com. But here's some more stuff on that. Everyone knows that 2020 sucked, but that dip that happened was nowhere near the recession that we had after 2008. And that bubble burst. But here's the thing. Not all bubbles burst. Real estate in particular tends to rise in value much more easily than it falls. And here's some more data for you or data that you can intake on the cost of waiting. Lawrence Yoon, the lead economist for the National Association of Realtors, we all know Larry. He's been pretty darn accurate predicting the ups and downs of housing. I'm paraphrasing this because I just jotted it down from a webinar that he was doing. He said something like, can the market decline? Sure. But will it be a persistent decline? No. We have an army of frustrated buyers who have been outbid and they're waiting to pounce. Any declines will be met by hordes of buyers on their second, third, or (laughs) maybe even their sixth try. It might slow down, but the numbers say there is enough demand to slow and flatten. When it declines, it will be a decline slowly decline slowly. Okay. I'm sure Larry didn't say that. That's my paraphrasing. It will decline slowly with buyers excited to get an affordable home without the massive competition. Yeah. Folks are going to be stoked to get in on things later on. Here's some more facts and data for you. Recently, Fannie Mae released their home purchase sentiment indexed HPSI HIPSI. No one calls it HIPSI except me. (laughs) So in the HIPSI survey, they showed an increasing number of Americans believe that now it's a bad time to buy a home. Now, last time they did that survey, the numbers were much lower. Right now, that number of people who think it's a bad time, 64% in July 2021. And that's up from 56% last month. Last year, 38%. Get that. July 2020. What was going on back then? Yeah, right in the middle of the freaking pandemic, 38% of people thought it was a bad time. And now vaccines and semi-opening up and life kind of maybe hopefully getting back to normal is 68% of people think it's a bad time to buy. So fear is real and people want to wait. So let's talk about it. They want to wait. Why? Because a home's more affordable. 
At least that's what they think. What makes affordability? Well, it's your monthly payment, right? What makes that monthly payment? Price and mortgage interest rates. So let's take a deep look at affordability today. The first thing you're going to see is headlines that are super scary. And they're going to say things like mortgage rates skyrocket to record highs or mortgage monthly payments keep going up for buyers. Well, yeah, I hate to argue with that fear mongering stuff. And the problem is I don't because they're right. Yeah, rates have gone up, but you want to know why? Because mortgage rates have increased from the lowest they've ever been in history. So if it wasn't January 2021, any mortgage rate is going to be higher than that because that's the lowest it ever was at 2.65. And now we're at 2.9, which is still an incredibly low rate. Is it 2.65, the lowest mortgage rate in the history of man, woman, or undecided or undeclared kind? No, it's not. So every headline can say that mortgage rates are going up because they just are. But 2.9 is still sick. I know lots of lenders that got kissed on the mouth when they got an interest rate below 6%. So 2.9, 3.2, you're doing great. And over the past year, why do the payments go up? Yeah, because prices have gone up over the last year. That's what's happened. But based on, you know, even if you take these rising factors into account, a home, sure, it's less affordable today than it was a few months ago, but you weren't ready. You didn't have everything together. You didn't do it for whatever reason. But that doesn't mean that it's not affordable today. So recently, Adam Data released their second quarter 2021 U.S. Home Affordability Report. Now, what they do is they figure out where's the affordability and they give a percentage to it. And that's based on the average home ownership cost of a typical home with the average national wage. Now, they had that originally at 22.2%, but it increased to 25.2% in the second quarter of 2021. So it went up a little bit, but they also mentioned that's still within the 28% standards of wage versus cost that most lenders prefer for homeowners. That's what the lenders think the homeowners should spend on their mortgage payments, their home insurance and their property taxes, the PITI we always talk about. Average workers across the country can still manage the major expenses of owning a home based on lender standards. So it's 28%. It went up from 22 to 25, but it's still below what their standard is, which is 28%, which is crazy conservative. So yeah, things are going up a little bit, but it doesn't mean that now is not affordable for you. Of course, you would have done better if you locked in before, but hey, that's just the way it goes. And for those of you guys who did listen to the podcast and you did lock in before and you did get a home at, with a relatively low interest rate and your price has gone up 20%, I have a question for you guys. Where the hell is my review? Come on, man. This podcast is free. Thanks to this podcast, you made what? 30, 40, 60, 75,000 bucks? And what about my, uh, my friends, Rachel and Will? You know, the ones that I hooked up with a bitch and unicorn realtor up in the Bay Area. They closed on a $2.1 million home in the summer of 2020. I'm not a really good mathematician, but 20% on 2.1, that seems pretty good. I think I can get a little review, don't you? <sighs> Sorry, sidetracked. Where was I before? I was begging for reviews on Apple or Spotify for people who desperately need help but have never heard of the show. And they might be unlucky enough to read someone else's review and click on another show that doesn't give all this data and facts. They're actually just trying to show products and seminars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Data, data. Here we go. Back to it. 
Now, while payments have increased dramatically during that several decades span, get this, if we adjust for inflation, today's mortgage payments are actually 10.7% lower than they were in 1990. So what does that mean for you? Well, first of all, not everything in the 90s was so incredible. Damn, people, give it a break with the nostalgia, would you? I mean, enough with the 90s love. I got a crate full of photos of me in cross colors and vests with t-shirts and various goatees, and they did not age well. As for housing, while you might not get the home buying deal that some of my listeners got last year who still owe me a review, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still buy a home. It's 10.7% more affordable than it was in 1990. Okay, so if you can buy a home, but you don't want to because you don't believe it's financially prudent, here's what happens if this is your argument to it right now. I'm going to rent instead, right? I'm going to rent. This is too stressful. I get it. Renting is less stressful, but I like to say that nothing in life is stress-free. Well, maybe some things are, but not a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to finances. And the monthly cost of renting a home is skyrocketing. According to the July National Rent Report from Apartment List, did you know that? There's a national rent report. Here's what they say, quote, so far in 2021, rental prices have grown a staggering 9.2%. To put that into context, in previous year's growth from January to June, it's the first part of the year, it's usually 2 to 3%. After this month's spike, rents have been pushed well above our expectations of where they would have been had the pandemic not disrupted the market, unquote. So if you continue to rent, chances are your rent's going to keep increasing at a fast pace. That means you could end up spending significantly more of your income on your rental. And as time goes on, that's going to make it even harder and harder for you to save for a home. And if you say, hey, I want to wait it out because you heard me say in November 2019, episode 29, that a recession's coming someday. Well, you're right. I did say that. But history shows the housing market doesn't always slow down or go down in a recession. So let me drop some knowledge. Okay, actually, what I'm doing is regurgitating facts. I'm summarizing from the thousands of articles I've read and the webinars that I actually sat and watched because, you know, that's me. That's how I roll. I'm a super interesting individual with a very fulfilling life. Okay, dropping knowledge. We've established that a monthly mortgage payment is determined by two things, price of the home and the mortgage rate. A lower monthly payment, which is what you want, because that's why you said, I'm going to wait it out. I want to wait till my monthly payment's lower. All right, that would require one of those two elements, price of the home or the mortgage rate, to decrease over the next year or two. However, experts are forecasting the opposite. The Mortgage Bankers Association, MBA, they project mortgage rates will be at 4.2% by the end of 2022. And the Home Price Expectations Survey, that's a survey of 100 economists, investment strategists, and housing market analysts. They call for home increases, for home prices to increase 5.12% in 2022. Okay, so that's... The math, let me put this in real life for you. Drop more knowledge. Promise I'm going to stop saying that. No, I don't. Okay, 10% down on a $350,000 home. That's a $315,000 mortgage at 2.9%. Now, this is a payment for principal and interest, just the PI and the PITI for this equation. That payment's $1,311. 
Now, take the numbers of the forecasting that we had. Same house next year. 350 house now costs $367,920, up $17,920. So that means price of the house is up. So your payment's going to be up. How about the loan? 10% down on that $36,792,000 house? Well, now you got to put $1,792 more down. And how about the mortgage? Well, the mortgage amount is now $331,128. That's up $16,128. And your mortgage rate is up to 4.2%, which means that's gone up 1.3%. So your payment is now $1,619. Remember, it was $1,311. But if you wait, your mortgage payment's $1,619 up $308 every month for 30 years. And that was a lot of numbers rambling in your ears. So I've got a chart for you visual learners. I'm going to post that on my Instagram, but let me summarize it with these words right here. By waiting until next year, if the forecasts are correct, you'll potentially pay more for the home. You're going to need a larger down payment. You're going to pay a higher mortgage interest rate, and you're going to pay an additional $3,696 every single year over the life of your mortgage. All right. So did I bum you out? Did you just realize that you missed out on possibly the best time to buy a home? Yeah. You and 99% of everyone else. The real best time to buy a home, like 1% of the people did that. It was February 2012. They bought at the very best time ever to buy a home. That's the, that was the absolute bottom. And everyone back then, trust me, everyone told them they were stupid and crazy or both. So good for them. But look, almost no one buys a home or stocks at the perfect time. You never buy at the bottom of the V or sell at the top of the V. You buy somewhere on the V. The key is to do your homework and to see how the purchase fits in with you and your personal goals and your budget, not your realtors, not your lenders, and not your aunts. The universe said, this is the time for you to start thinking about it. Cool. So now a part of you gets that and understands it. So that's why you found this podcast. You sought out, you know, cringy old me because you tolerate my annoying sense of humor But you understand that I really care about you and that I'm going to give you as much knowledge as I can because here I am. That's what I do. I just drop the knowledge. Man, such a terrible argument for me to try to explain why you should keep listening. Look, this is your time. This is when you're here. So love it or leave it. Leave it. But, you know, you read the data, you do the math, consider your future. And it's not the best time for an individual or for a dollar amount to buy a house, but it might be the best time for you to buy a house and stop renting. And it's definitely the best time to start your plan because planning doesn't mean buying, planning means planning. And if you're waiting for it to go down, it might cost you way more than it will save you. And again, episode 40 gets deeper into that math. Okay, back to rising rents. It's tough to save for a home while you wait for the market to drop especially when your monthly output is going up every single year. You might hear me say that sometimes buying is cheaper than renting. I just want to clarify and make sure everyone knows. Sometimes it is. That's a great way to get people excited about buying a house, but it's not for everyone. But either way, you still could end up on the better financial end for yourself and your financial future. 
Right now, there's a stat that shows that the monthly mortgage median is $1,200, or it's like $1,204, and that the national rent median is $1,575. So sure, that looks great. It's $371 lower than the rent, but that's the median stat. And for some of you, it's right. I did have a hairdresser and 25 years old in Vegas that got a place and she ended up paying $100 less per month than her rent. But that might not be for you, but it doesn't mean that the mortgage and the mortgage equation and that price still isn't going to mean that you're going to financially do better in the future. And one of the reasons for that is the rising rent. So I'm looking at a chart right now and I'm going to help you guys visualize it. Okay, hold your phone up vertically. Take your finger, put it in the lower left corner of your phone. Now drag it to the top right corner. So that's a simulation of a chart that I'm looking at. That's rents. Bottom left is 1998. Top right is today. Now, you want to see what a mortgage looks like from 1988 to now? Put your finger at the bottom left corner again. Drag it across the bottom of the phone to the bottom right corner. There, that's a mortgage. Never changes. Never goes up. And if you want to see how good the mortgage rates are today, hold your phone back up again, put your finger in the middle of the phone on the far left, and that's where right where we are right there. That's 11% interest. That's 1988. Now drag your finger down to the bottom right corner. That's where rates are today. And let's put that in dollar terms. I'll give you some data from the census. doesn't get any more boring and literal than census stats. These are average annual rental rates. In 1997, way back when, when at the movies, Harrison Ford was a badass president on a plane in Air Force One. And in 1997, the internet was a new fad. No one thought it was going to stick. And the average rent, $4.25 a month. In 2001, TV was dominated by Friends and CSI, but it was the only CSI on TV. <laughs> there was a dot-com bubble and rents were 500 bucks. But then we had a little recession and the rents went up to $600 a month by 2003. In 2008, Flowrider and T-Pain were getting low, 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 and rents, they were still low, 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 about $675 a month. And then they went to $700 through the recession of 2008, stayed were there for all during the recession. And then during the pandemic, we got up to about $1050 a month. So here we are, pandemic, $10.50 a month. Ooh, cool, the landlords are going to give everyone a break, right? Global crisis. Nope. During the pandemic, rents jumped to 1200 bucks a month from ten fifty. That's an increase of 12% in one year. Consider that from 1997 to 2008, rents went up 58% over a decade and a year. So 11 years, it went up 58%. During the pandemic, rents went up 12%. And then this year, 2021, they've gone up, what did they say, 9.2%? So that's 21.2% since the pandemic, since 2020. So that means if from 97 to 2008, in 11 years, it went up 58% through two recessions. We're a couple of years into this and we're up 21.2%. So we're still due for what? 37% increase over the next nine years. I don't know if that's going to work trying to put the math together. Yes, math, facts, data, data. This is not opinion. Yes, Karen, 
my math is correct. The next time someone tells you that buying a home is somehow a worse financial decision than renting and waiting it out, make sure that you've got this math. Get the math from episode 40 on waiting it out. And then finish with all those rental numbers. Maybe they're right. Maybe they are. But if it's not the right thing for you, then it's real simple. You just ask them, hey, I'll tell you what. How about, cool, I just live with you rent-free while we wait for the market to drop. What, do you think it's going to go 20% down? Okay, cool. So I'll just live with you till the market goes 20% down rent-free. And if it does in the next two years, cool, I'll move out and I'll pay you the rent back. But if it doesn't, I could stay here rent-free for five, six, seven years, okay? And in the past, I've also talked about other reasons to buy a house, and I'm going to give you some of them right now, why you shouldn't wait. This is my own personal thing. I think that I found with all my first-time home buyers that it just looks way cooler to the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever gender or non-binary thing that you're trying to attract. Yeah, you're trying to score with whatever you're attracted to. It's way more attractive to be a homeowner. Now, that is not a fact endorsed by the National Association of Realtors or probably anybody legitimate, but it's true. All right, if you're still not convinced, let me summarize a video from my YouTube that I did way back in 2017. That's when we were five years into a rising market and people were afraid there was going to be a bubble then. So I was giving them facts. And these facts I took straight from a study done at Harvard. The Harvard guy said there was one, and gals, excuse me, Harvard people, said there were five financial reasons for buying a home in any market. Number one, leverage. Even if you put 20% down, you're leveraging 80% of the asset. Typically, you are not able to buy stocks or bonds with 20, 10, or 5% down. Even lower appreciation is larger with a leveraged, higher-priced asset. And number two, they said you're paying for a roof anyway, if you own or rent. Had to go to Harvard to figure that one out. Number three, tax benefits. Now, they've changed a little bit, especially since 2019, I think it's one, or 17. But the laws have changed, but there's still benefits up to $10,000 for most of you. Number four, owning is a great hedge against inflation. Historically, housing costs and rents go up or higher than the rate of inflation. And remember, your payment is fixed for 30 years, unlike your rents. Number five, this is my favorite for those of us who have FOMO and aren't real good at budgeting and saving money. So you spend your money because you don't want to miss out on stuff. Well, a mortgage is a forced savings. Do you ever get to the end of the month and you're all bummed out because you spent all your money on bills and important things and then a bunch of other things you shouldn't spend it on? Now you got nothing left to throw in your savings account. Well, now if you forget to budget or save one month, you have to pay your rent or your mortgage. But by doing it as a mortgage instead of a rent, it's forced adulting. You're saving money. Okay, there you are. Now you're informed. Feel good about that. I mean it. You did it. No one can say that you didn't research this decision. And when all you hear is those negative headlines, remember, those negative headlines are out there for a reason because negative sells. Negative is easy for people to spew out there. I'm always going to tell you exactly what's going on in the market. Be cautious. Be careful. But one of the world's greatest economists and, and one of the most humble guys on the face of the earth, Warren Buffett, he says when he's talking about his financial advisement company, 
We simply attempt to be fearful when others are greedy and to be greedy only when others are fearful. That'll kind of let you know how to work the game. Be proud of yourself. You're taking this all in, all in. You put yourself through what I know must have been tortured listening to all of this math and statistics. I don't care if you're miles away from being able to buy or if you're ready to go out and buy a home this weekend, you are now better armed with the knowledge. That's a big deal. Congratulations to you. Okay, two last thoughts, and I'm going to finish with a thought that I think is going to surprise a lot of you. And no, it's not. You can do this. That's no surprise. I say that every episode. Second and last thought, as always, if this episode or any of the others has been helpful, please subscribe. And I think you heard me talking about the reviews. It's really helpful and can help other people who need this information. And it might be good for them. Apple Podcasts, great place to write a review. You can also do it on the Facebook page. And I want you guys to know, if you have specific questions, hit me up on Instagram at David Sedoni. I am shocked when I see so many people say, oh, I finally got the courage to write you. Dude, I tell you this all the time. This is my mission. Reach out. Ask me a question anytime you want to. Okay. I'm shocked that people say that they finally got the courage to write me. If you listen to all my haters out there, apparently I asked that too much on the podcast. I don't think so. It's like 45 minutes I ask. The reason I'm telling you is because it's been really fun. It's been a fun new part of my job. I will answer your questions. I got a new office and new people to help me out. And I'm an old man on you one more time. And I'm going to quote uh, Jerry Maguire from a 1996 movie. Help me help you. Hit me up. DM me, or you can go to davidsedoni.com and send me an email. It's also uh, howtobuyahome.com. You can read and get transcripts of every episode out there. If you want to, print them out, put them in your pocket, and read them back to Negative Nancy when she starts telling you the sky is falling. And if you're ready to go and you're looking for a local pro, hit me up for a unicorn in your area. We're helping hundreds of people. Unicorn Nation is helping people buy houses. And I'm going to tell you those stories a little bit later on. Okay, get ready for your surprise. Last piece of information before I go. I got to go right now. Do you know why? Because I had to shoot a 15-second TikTok to explain how much you should offer over list price to get the home that you're bidding on. How pissed are you right now? Dude, you're going to explain that in 15 seconds, but this bubble crap and should I wait took two hours of podcasting? Come on. You guys know me by now. I'm not explaining it in 15 second TikTok. I'm dancing to run DMCs. It's tricky to explain that nobody can explain this stuff in 15 seconds. It's way too tricky for that. See, I told you guys I'm on a mission. Oh, hey, before I go, you can do this.